and welcome to the second episode of the Inspiring Healthy Lifestyles podcast. Today we'll be talking to James Bebbington, Team GB kayaker, former world champion and World Cup winner in the sport. Thank you for talking to us today, James. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. It's nice to got a bit of sun today so I can sit in the garden a bit. So a bit of a break from being shut indoors. Fantastic. How are you finding it being stuck in? Is it against your nature, I imagine? Uh, it's a bit. It's a bit difficult because I can't really uh, do a lot of the things I'd ordinarily do that helps sort of keep me sane and everything. But I'm, I'm doing doing fine, really. Yeah. Well, rather than dwelling too much on what it's like right now, we'll go back into the past a little bit, if that's all right with you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, um, world champion in 2011, wasn't it? World yes, Cup yeah. winner in 2010, um, European and bronze and silver. So you've got quite an impressive trophy case there. But can <laughs> yeah. you can you tell us? Um, how it all started, where where it all began for you, like how you got into the sport. So um, I think it all started with well, when I was growing up. I was quite uh, shy at school, quite introverted, and sort of struggled to sort of. I had a little group of friends, but I sort of struggled to come out of my shell. I think because of that, I always really wanted to. I felt like the need that I wanted to excel at some sport or something like that. So I was, I was very interested in lots of alternative sports, but so I didn't really get on too well with team sports or football that kind of thing. But I really enjoyed like, skateboarding, rollerblading, surfing, all those kind of sports. And I tried lots, lots and lots of different things. And then I happened to see that none of them quite uh, hit the right chord with me. So I enjoyed them, but I didn't quite excel at them the mm. way I wanted to. So I, kept, so I tried them for a little while and then I get bored of it and try the next, next thing I could think to try. And then um, I happened to see uh, kayaking on the TV. It was actually a guy around a waterfall. And he almost drowned at the bottom of it, which you wouldn't think would make you want to try the sport. But it sort of captured my imagination. So I asked my dad if he could find me uh, a canoe club that I could join so I could, could have a try at it. And um, so he found, I don't know how he found them, but he found Wigan Canoeing Group. So I went along to their, I think it's in the winter start. I've sort of been about uh, eight years old, something like that. Mm. Um, maybe a bit younger even. But I went along to their, their pool sessions where they put you in, in the pool teach you how to paddle around, how to fall out of it safely, and then eventually how to roll it back up. And I went, I started to go with a couple of my school friends. And then in the summer, we started going on the lake and we sort of learned a bit more. A lot of it was also just, it wasn't that serious in the beginning. We'd, we'd play around a lot. So we'd be sort of jumping in and like playing all kinds of games you do uh, where we sort of join all the kayaks up and run around. So it was, um, it was a lot of fun. And also it was a great way, because you're doing activity, it's a real easy way of making friends, which I didn't have an easier time with at school at the time. And then as I got better and better at it, I started to get a lot more confidence outside of kayaking as, as well. So it sort of helped me sort of come out of my shell and, and develop in a lot of ways. And then as I improved, I started going on river trips where they start to introduce you to white water. So I think my, my first white water experience, I think, would be on the Burrs, which is uh, in Bury. It's like a, a little short stretch of river there, which they often take people on for their like first taste of white water. And that was like a a breakthrough both it's like the most exciting thing I'd ever experienced you, you start the trip <laughs> and you, you go down this it's, it's all very safe it's, it's quite now it probably looks very tame but when you I don't know I think it was about 10 or 11 when I first went on white water so for me that it, it felt enormous and it was like the most exciting thing ever so after that I was I was completely hooked and I quite quickly was pestering to go at any any weekend and holiday or anything like that really and it kind of took off from there Wow, so you were you were sort of taken with it, not yes, not so much, much because yeah, carry on, sorry. Yeah, so it's basically just after that sort of 
so I've been quite engaged with it up until the point of getting on white water. And then after I experienced white water for the first time, that's when it like really, that was basically all I wanted to do. That was all, all I'd think about. All I wanted to do was, was go kayaking after that, that moment. And um, then, then when I was doing it, so there's different disciplines within kayaking, even dis- different disciplines within white water. So up until that point, I hadn't really specialized in uh, any area particularly. But after I started doing white water, and I went on a few more and more trips with the canoe club, because the people who were taking me out mostly. Because with our spot, you always go with other people because it's not really safe to, to do it on your own mm. in a lot of situations. Um, but then I happened to see uh, someone doing freestyle kayaking, which I'm sure many not, not a lot of people will know what it is. But it's basically, uh, if you imagine what freestyle snowboarding or uh, skateboarding looks like, imagine sort of applying that same kind of mentality, but to kayaking. So you're in a very, very short kayak, very different to how you'd ordinarily picture a kayak, and you're doing all kinds of gymnastic maneuvers, surfing uh, the river waves that form uh, when the water flows over the rocks and creates uh, like a standing wave, they call it. But it looks just like the waves you get in the ocean, but it's not like it's on a river. So you do all kinds of tricks on those. And I, I saw someone, I have no idea who they were, but throwing uh, one of the tricks it, there. And after I saw that, I was like, well, that looks amazing. That, given that I had like a huge fascination with surfing and skateboarding and snowboarding when I was growing up, I even I didn't do a lot of those activities very well or at all, but it was what I really wanted to do. And that was like the ultimate uh, fusion of those ideas to me. So I saw, saw freestyle kayaking for the first time and straight away I wanted to learn how to do those tricks. So um, that's kind of where I went, went off and taught myself and like it's largely self, self-taught. So you'd, I'd, I'd make friends who would be sort of similar age to me. We tried to do similar things. We kind of learn, learn together. So one person would learn the next little bit of something and then sort of tell you how, you, how they did that and explain how they did it. And then you kind of feed off each other and quite quickly you learn quite rapidly. And then as you get better and better, the next obvious thing to do is to start competing. That's how I started uh, getting into competition. Yeah, I watched a video of you. I think it's, you may be in Nottingham um, yeah, yeah. training. And um, my first thought was, how do you begin to learn to do that? And then my second thought was, what on earth does that feel like? You must feel like you're in a washing machine. That's the only thing I could I could sort of liken it to. So is it all about sort of just confidence and, and going for it to to learn how to start doing it? Well, it, it all happens um, very gradually. So the, the first thing you learn in kayaking in general, really, that's the most useful, which kind of opens the sport as a whole, is to be able to roll yourself up. So it means when you fall over, you don't have to swim out of the kayak and drag it to the side and empty the water out. You can actually just roll the thing back upright again. And as soon as you've learned that and become confident in that, then it takes a lot of the fear out of it because you know, like, where whatever happens in most scenarios, you're going to be able to roll yourself up. So falling over isn't then isn't that intimidating then once you've got over that fear when you're trying to learn a trick or something it doesn't matter if you fall over and you your confidence builds and it's um not this scary thing and how we sort of learn these maneuvers again it's a a very sort of gradual evolution so to begin with you learn just how to spin around whilst you're surfing away so which you're just turning 360 degrees whilst you sat down imagine if you just sat on the carpet on your, on your bedroom and mm. you just spun around that's basically what you're doing but in a kayak <laughs> and then once you've learned that you start doing it w- with the boat at certain uh, different elevations and then you learn how to do front flips and back flips and all these kind of things which probably uh, sa- sounds very hard to understand what you're actually doing I remember even when I first started doing freestyle kayaking I remember trying to explain to my friends at school because this is before people had phones that could play videos or uh, YouTube even or anything so it wasn't like I could show people a video of what it is so I try and explain or show a photo of a trick to, to my friends 
and they'd have like no idea they think of be making it up <laughs> as to, to how, how you'd even do it but now it's a bit easier to explain because you can show videos but um it's all just sort of evolves and you quite quickly sort of uh learn and then as your mind gets tuned into how the boat rotates around you and how the tricks all kind of work rather than it feel like you're just getting like, surfed around in like a washing machine because you understand uh what's going on it's not it's not that uh confusing but from from the outside of looking in i can it definitely is a difficult sport to understand unless unless you take it onto really big features then the movements become a lot more obvious but in, in the uk uh most of our features are kind of a similar size uh to what we have in nottingham unless we have floods but that's why uh there's a lot of travel involved in sports so i've like i've been to uganda all over north america canada australia uh russia finland norway just sort of pursuing where the best sort of uh, rivers and waves are. So we have a great setup in the UK for technically becoming very good. And we have lots of really good artificial like, watercourses, hmm. uh, which means it's very accessible for a lot of people all over the country. As long as you live somewhat near one of the, the hubs for it, like Nottingham is probably the best we have. And then you have like Lee Valley in London and quite a few other different ones. And plus the natural rivers. We have a very good setup to sort of get you started, teach you the basics, and to, to become technically very good, it's a, a great setup. But when, if you want to really sort of uh, do the most spectacular kinds of tricks and uh, get into a more exciting environment, you do kind of have to travel a bit outside the UK. But most of our competitions uh, are actually in the small technical features, not the, the big, big ways like you get, you get in Canada. Yeah. So um, going back to 2011, world champion, what was that like for you? How did, that must have felt amazing. Yeah, like um, it was quite a journey uh, getting there because, as I say, when it, was, it wasn't quite a linear progress that I just sort of um, wanted to be a world champion since a little and then constantly got better and better and better and then became world champion. So it was a dream to become a world champion. But then obviously when you step up from being a junior when you're 18 to competing in the seniors, uh, well, when you're juniors is up to 18 years old and after you're 18, you compete in the seniors. Mm. The jump up is quite, is quite big because you go from, you're competing against them people who have been doing it for, for decades and they've had good sponsorships for years and have been doing it and pursuing it like, in a lot of cases for that time professionally. So it's a big jump up in, in standard. So I did really well as a junior. Um, I won, I think, you know, Euro Cups and British Championships and uh, I, think I, was, I think my best result was, a, I think I was fifth in the World Championships. I can't remember. It was quite a while ago. Mm. Um, but, but then when I moved into the seniors, it was... Uh, a, a, a lot harder also because I had to then obviously figure out it's not it's not a there's not an awful lot of money in the sport and I had sponsors to pay for equipment and stuff at that age but I didn't have financial sponsors at the time so also having to learn how to make money made it harder to spend as much time on the water and also just the, the level of the competition being harder meant I sort of struggled initially to sort of adapt and focus and then I kind of lost my way a little bit and then when I met my wife I met my, my wife uh, competes for for Russia in kayaking so I met her uh, on the world cups in 2008 and then we started training together and coaching each other and we we sort of really uh, focused really budgeted our money and we got a few uh financial sponsors who helped us to make make it so we could train full time and we just really focused for a couple of years and it's sort of this dream of being a world champion felt felt real again and I basically just devoted so I'd be wherever the best place for training was that's where we'd be so we'd be sleeping in in a little tent at the side of the river, wherever we could find to train for, for months at a time. So basically, I just come back to the UK every now and then for 
for a couple of weeks to like f- fill the car up, fill the, fill the car with food, <laughs> get get all my clothes washed, and then we'd go straight back. Because obviously, with my wife uh, being Russian, she didn't have a girlfriend then. But with her being Russian, she'd have to go back every now and then uh, to make new visas to wherever mm. we were going to be. So in that time, I'd make a little bit of money doing odd jobs for anyone I could find to supplement what I'd get for sponsorship. Then we'd go back out and, and train again. And then by just being in the best places, and I'd always make sure that we were paddling with the people who were the best. So it just basically puts us in a scenario that we're constantly surrounded by people who are better than us or in the same sort of level. And by being in that environment for like over, I think it's over two years, our, like, we just, our performance has shot up. And I think I went... I think in 2010, I think in every, I think 2010 and 2011, I never placed outside the top three, I think, which is, that's like my best competitive year. It was like a really, that, that focus at that time really put me technically um, a lot further ahead than most of my competitors. So it was, it was a real uh, exciting time. And I had like one main rival who's also sort of kind of my inspiration and in how he approached it. That I kind of paddled a lot with, and so it's, it's quite a friendly spot. So we, we do have like little rivalries, but it, it, with it being a small spot, there's not a lot of money in it. It means that everyone's like the best of friends, really. So even your, your most uh, intense competitor, at the same time, you're helping each other and you're sort of traveling around with each other and your friends. So it's quite a nice sport in that way. But yeah, when I, when I won the World Championships, it was like, it was really was a, a dream come true for me. That's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, well, yeah, it was just really great. Glad that hard work all paid off. Yeah, that's um, like having to sort of sacrifice so much to get there, but obviously all paid off in the end. It was all worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it was like the other thing, thing as well is that it it was also the realization that um, the the main the most exciting bit of it was actually the the getting there, not the the winning. Mm. Like the winning was nice, the, but I'd say looking back at it now, the, the most valuable part of it was um, the process of getting. To that point and the experiences of sort of throwing yourself into something with that level of commitment and that level of effort is extremely rewarding regardless of the result like even now when I compete and I throw myself into competitions the most rewarding bit isn't how well you do it's nice if you do well but it's more like the being able to throw yourself into something and commit fully is is uh, the best bit amazing so um going forward a little bit in I think it's 2016 you decided to train as a cameraman yeah so obviously like i say uh, the sports uh not easy to make a lot of money off and it's sort of it's quite a, i basically get it just enough when i was doing it full-time i'd get just enough to sort of cover what we need to do to train full-time and compete and get competitions and as we we're sort of getting older i realized that i also probably thinking for the future that i probably should have some other uh career mm. so that if i got injured or anything or if I got bored of kayaking, I'd have something, some way of being able to support ourselves. And through kayaking, what, the way our, sort of, our sponsorship works is I'd create uh, videos and photos and whatever and use that for, for our sponsors to help them promote whatever they're selling. So I'd, I'd sort of taught myself over the years. So I think I, started, I made my first sort of kayaking videos when I was 12 or 13 or something, uh, just, just as a way to sort of learn. To, to teach, that's how I kind of coach myself, but also make little edits for fun. So I've been doing it for a long time anyway, and sort of at an amateurish level. And then as I got uh, better and better at it, I'd, some of the sponsors would ask me to make stuff for them outside of kayaking just because they knew I could do it. And they knew rather than spend money on some complete unknown to make stuff for them, they'd rather pay someone they know who, who they know would, would benefit from some extra income. 
so I started doing a few little bits for my sponsors outside of uh, of, of sport, uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. So I kind of sort of taught myself more and more. So I'd watch lots of YouTube tutorials and read lots of books on how to sort of do various various things. And I invested a bit of money into equipment. I started to do video production for lots of little companies. Um, and then I got better and better at it and got a few more connections and kind of went from there. So basically over, I think it's probably from like 2014 is really when I started to sort of pursue it. Mm. And then in 2015, I took a few, I took three years out from competition to sort of really throw myself in. So uh, I went for sort of doing it as like just a sort of one-man band, doing everything myself to start working as a freelancer on bigger productions. So using like little short films, music videos, TV adverts. And then obviously because I've taken my the skills into much higher level than they were when I was full-time as a kayaker, people started to use me because they wanted someone. So when so- something would come up like a expedition TV show or something where they needed someone who could kayak or be in sort of a rugged outdoors environment who could also film to a good level I started doing uh, projects with that so kind of over this last two years really I started to do uh, sort of tv work shooting uh, like documentaries or little segments of tv shows where they need someone with those combination of skills really so it's been um, still still evolving obviously right now I'm getting no work whatsoever but um, (laughs) (laughs) ordinarily it's it's, it's sort of got the ball rolling it just kind of keeps going really and that's what led you to, um, was it last year, Expedition with Steve Bookshaw in Bhutan? Actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, what, what year would it be? It was, I think the, the year, I think it was end of 2018 was the actual expedition. So no, mm. November 2018. Um, so basically, I, I met Steve, I think, in, for the first time. So Steve Bakshaw, if you don't know who he is, he's a naturalist, wildlife presenter, but he also does a lot of uh, adventurous sports like climbing, kayaking, and all these kind of things. And I met him in 2011 as a special guest on, they used to have like a live uh, TV show called Live, live and Deadly, where they'd uh, have like some kind of sports person who'd gone and showed their sport off. And they'd also in, have um, some kind of interaction with, with wildlife or animals of some kind. So I was a special guest and uh, made sort of, made kind of friends with him there, really. And sort of kept in touch loosely over the years and sort of knew that I'd started to work in camera work. And then he pitched this... Uh, TV show called Expedition. Uh, I think it has different names depending on what network it's been shown on, but it's called Expedition with Steve Baxter, where he did uh, 10 uh, world firsts over the course of a year. So I think one would be uh, climbing the first uh, first mountain in Antarctica somewhere. And the other one was like uh, the one we did, which was kayaking the last uh, known first descent in the Himalayas, which is in Bhutan, on a river called the Chamkachu River. So he requested uh, that the production company got in touch with me and they brought me in to work, act as like a kayaking cameraman for the trip. So we went went to Bhutan, which is, if you don't know, it's sort of uh, near near to Nepal. It's right in the Himalayas, and it has it's, I think it's seventy or eighty percent uh, tree cover. So the the, the the I'm not sure it's the government, but um, the royal family there protect it from um, forestry. I think it's the only carbon positive country in the world, which is absolutely amazing. Every when you're there. It's like every direction you look looks like a postcard. It's absolutely stunning and it's it's pristine and there's never been anywhere like it. But we got so we we got to go in there and kayak down this river that had never been been run before. And my job was to sort of film the part safety. So if anything went really really wrong, I'd be there to be there with an extra pair of hands to try and rescue Steve or make it safe mm. or do whatever was needed. But primarily, I was there to sort of 
film the expedition as we went, went along. So we're using a drone and then a little camera in the kayak. And then we had a main cameraman uh, who filmed all the bits around it. But because the river was, was uh, so isolated and full on, he couldn't really get down uh, to the river to film a lot of what was actually going on in the river. So he sort of used a lot of go. I think he had, had 16 GoPros with us, something like that. <laughs> well. And then... And uh, basically, we stuck loads of GoPros in everyone's kayak, so we'd always have something going on and sound to sort of link it all together. And then whenever I could, I'd get out and film uh, from the side. So it's it's an amazing experience, and that's probably the highlight of my my filming uh, career so far. And that's kind of what I'd, I'd like, what I'm hoping to do more and more of as as the future goes on, because that's kind of like the ideal mix for me is combining my love of the outdoors with with filming's uh, the most fun. Yeah, you've landed an absolute dream job there, really, haven't you? Well done for that. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, what's what's next for you now? Then, obviously, at the moment, we're all we're all locked indoors; we can't go anywhere. But um, looking beyond that, how's how's training for you at the moment? What what are you able to do? Uh, well, thankfully, I do have a bit of uh, gym equipment at home. So, so right now, I'm just sort of trying to keep roughly in shape as best I can. But for for our spot, a lot of it is quite. Uh, you kind of have to be doing the actual sport to to really um, be in shape for it, and also just because a lot of it's technical, so it's more sort of keeping the the moves fresh and being able to progress technically. So I, so I got back into competing in 2018 when I started competing again. Uh, so I did the the worlds last year. We we're supposed to have a year, World Cups this summer, but they've been postponed currently. So they might happen, but I think it probably most likely will be cancelled for this year. Mm. But we do have a Europeans, which is in uh, October. So fingers crossed that will still go ahead. So that's kind of the main event for this year. But what I'm really aiming at is we've got um, World Championships in 2021 in Nottingham, which I think it's the first time there's ever been a World Championships in the UK. And Nottingham's kind of the, the hub for freestyle kayaking in the UK. So it's, well, I've been kayaking there regularly since I was probably 12 years old. So uh, Your home ground then, really? Yeah, and also just just so when I won the world championships, I was the first European kayaker that did it in twenty five years, and since since then the standard of European kayakers has, has shot up, um, and I think we've had since then two of the world championships have been European, but there's never been another British one. But we've got a really really strong uh, team in the UK over these last few years. So I think this Nottingham World Championships, we stand a really good chance of one of us. Uh, there's, there's three or four, well, there's probably more actually. There's a real deep pool of talent in the UK currently. So there's a real good possibility that the Nottingham World's been on, on home home ground that another Brit will manage to win it. Hopefully, I'll make, we ha- we'll have a selection event in November, which will decide the team that gets to compete. So I'd very much like to be a part of that. So I'm hoping we get to sort of get back into shape and um, do the Europeans and go straight into selection. And then the real, real goal is the Nottingham World because it'd be. Also, it'd be 10 years since I won the World Championship, so it'd be a lovely story if, uh, if I managed it again. But I think that'd be a, a big ask. But um, certainly, uh, that's, my, that's my goal, really. That sounds amazing. Well, we wish you all the best of luck with that. We've just got one more question for you, if that's OK. Yeah, sure. So um, just for all the people that are out there training, like young people looking to stay motivated or looking to get into the sport, um, what are your words of, of wisdom for them right now? I think um, in terms of advice for the, for the current period, it's just uh, everyone around the world is pretty much in the same boat. So don't get so disheartened. Pretty much everyone's not being able to train in an optimum way in, in whatever their sports are. So you just got to kind of keep yourself as fit as you can. Uh, if you do have any access to weights at home, 
use them if you, to keep sort of some level of strength. If not, um, there's lots of apps that help with like body weights workouts. And I've, I've used one called uh, Freeletics, which I, I think it's, you can have a free trial of it. And I don't think it's very expensive initially, but that's a good one I've used to give you sort of some sort of structure to how you're training. But then also like, uh, so over the years, I've had quite a few um, big injuries and I've been, been forced to stay off the water and not been able to train in any form for, I think the most, the longest one, I couldn't, I couldn't do any activity for uh, six months really. But what I actually found in those times, if you keep your mind, if you, if you keep sort of rehearsing stuff in your mind, when you actually get back into it, yes, you'll be a little bit uh, unfit, but actually your technical, your technical skills will still improve. So at any time I've had time off the water forced on me because of injuries or whatever, I've actually improved technically. I've just been a bit, been a, a bit unfit, but that quite quickly comes back as soon as restrictions get left or you can do your sport again. So don't lose, lose your hope and be comforted by the fact that everyone's in the same, same boat or same scenario. So don't, don't stress about it too much and try and use this time as a way to sort of think about what you're really trying to do, focus on how you can do things better uh, educate yourself more you can read about how you can train so I find a lot of inspiration from reading um, biographies of, of other athletes when I was growing up that gave me a lot of ideas of how to approach uh, my sport and gave me a lot of things to work on study sports psychology is a, a great help like lots of people underperform and there's lots of tools you can use that will help you massively that you can teach yourself so basically use this time and say to, to educate yourself keep your mind fresh so keep thinking of how you can improve rehearse stuff mentally work on visualization one, one of the main things that i did leading up to the world championships apart from um the actual being in the right place was that i'd spend i probably spend 45 minutes to an hour a day visual in visualizing um competition rides moves sequences all those kind of things and that those techniques are hugely powerful and you can use them in any sport so could be football, swimming, whatever, just visualize the process. So it could be visualize how you do your, your front crawl in swimming, for example, how you could improve the technique and visualize how you do it mm. and make it as detailed as you can and sort of teach those, those skills. So now's the perfect time because you can't really do much else and you've likely got a lot of free time. So um, really use it to help grow the areas that you probably overlook when you have access to doing all the fun stuff, which is actually going out and doing the sports that you love. Um, in, in general advice, I'd say that for people doing doing a sport, like find something that really resonates with you first of all. Find a sport that really motivates you, that you really love doing, and then really enjoy the process. Don't get too hung up on competition is obviously a vital part of a lot of sports, but don't get too hung up on the results because really it doesn't matter hugely how you do. It more matters the the process. So focus on developing your skills, on developing yourself your character as a, as a person and enjoy the process so it's, it's a wonderful experience to be an athlete and get to go and do the things that we do and be with people that are passionate about something a lot of people in life will never find something that really engages them the same way that most athletes will will, will experience so it's a real privilege but make sure you're enjoying it because a lot of athletes I know only realize the opportunities they had and the privileges they had once they've given up and they've got older and they look back because now I'm 32 years old and I've got quite a few friends who've, who've stopped kayaking. And I, and I know that they, they look back and, uh, at it as a real fond memory, but I think at the time they didn't really appreciate everything it was it was giving them. So I think for a lot of people, just make sure you're in, in, enjoying it as best you can, extract as much enjoyment out of learning these things. And competition is a great motivator. So it's a great goal that you have a, a set date to aim to improve for. 
and you have something to really sort of give you the extra kick to fire you up. So it's that, that's what makes it so you can get out there at five in the morning and go for a run because you've got that one goal. If the one goal wasn't there, it would be quite quite a lot harder to motivate yourself. So use it as that extra little bit of fire to motivate you. And however the competition goes, it goes. It doesn't really matter. But you'll always be a better athlete when it gets that competition, regardless of how you do. So use those things as extra little uh, motivators and just um, find your passion in the sport and really enjoy it is my, my main advice for people. Well, that's excellent advice. Thank you very much, James. Thank you for talking to us today. My pleasure. It's been great to hear from you. Um, and you've got some absolutely fascinating stories there. So no, thank you. Oh, lovely. Well, hopefully, thanks again soon. And good luck with all your goals over the next year. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.